The parable that we will be looking at is one that is often referred to as the parable of the sower. And the text that I am going to be using will be found in the eighth chapter of the book of Luke. Now, why am I selecting this particular parable? I feel that we are living in an age where the church is becoming increasingly irrelevant to the daily life of people. It seems that people are not accepting the words of the church. We are not relevant. And sometimes we as Christians whip ourselves. We say, hey, we're not doing enough. And it seems that the message of the church is falling on deaf ears. And truth is being mocked. And truth is meaningless. And truth is unattainable for some people. The word parable comes from a Greek word, which is the word parabol. And it literally means a placing beside. And this would refer to the way a parable compares or places side by side. Two meanings. And sometimes the second meaning of a parable is not explained. And we must be very careful when it comes to interpreting parables so we would have an accurate meaning of what is being said. Jesus explains that the seed represents his teaching. I have selected a parable where Christ gives us clear definition of it. The seed that is being sold represents his teaching about the kingdom of God. And then he speaks, excuse me, he speaks about the soils and how the soil represents four different ways that his word is received in the hearts of men. And I think that we can take the text and we can look at it today and we can evaluate what is going on in our lives as well as the lives around us. In this particular parable that I've selected, Jesus says that a farmer went out in a field to sow his seed. Now think about that for a moment. For some, that's a little difficult to think about a farmer sowing seed. Because when we drive down the highway, we see big John Deere's and we see all kinds of equipment that are accurately pinpointing the dropping of seeds into the soil. And as we think about this, we think of one that goes out and by hand, He throws the seed to the ground. He broadcasts the seed into a field or even a yard. And as you scatter the seed, the seed can go anywhere and it can go everywhere. Some go where you want it to, but other parts of the seed may be placed in places where it does not have the potential for growth. And Jesus said that some went on the path where the birds ate the seed up. Some of the seed falls into rocky areas, places where there isn't much soil and the plant can't get much of a root system. Some fall in the thorny places and it is choked out by other plants that grow around the seed that has been placed there. But ultimately, the Lord says, some seed falls on good soil and produces a good crop, many times the amount of the seed that was planted. Now, the person that you sit next to or yourself, 
you may be that good soil. The fact that you are here today, I believe that the seed has taken root within your heart. Most people that are listening to Jesus during this time are familiar with planting seeds. If a field had been recently used by a farmer, this field is replowed and it's prepared for seeding again. In the days of Jesus, oxen would pull that plow and help with the process. And after breaking up the soil, the farmer carried a basket full of seeds and here once again scattered by hand. Wheat and barley were sown in the late fall. Other seeds in the spring at this time of the year. The fields would hopefully be covered again with great crop because of the seed. And finally, the farmer often used a stick to smooth out the soil and to cover the seeds. I would like us to take a look at the text this morning in the eighth chapter of Luke. Today is an introduction to what is going to take place over the next few weeks. But it would be good for us to read through this and to hear this parable of Jesus Christ in Luke the 8th chapter, verses 4 through 15. The scripture tells us that while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plant withered because there was no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seeds fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked what this parable meant. He said, Jesus said, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear but as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. There's the explanation of the soils. Each week, we will look at the various soils, and we will hopefully identify with what Jesus is saying. I think it's evident that when Jesus tells this parable, that he focuses a great deal on the soil, on the heart. 
This parable has a lesson for us, telling us and giving us a lesson that rings true today in our culture, rings true today in our lives concerning the soil of our hearts. In Boston, Massachusetts, there is a painting that I studied when I was at the University of New Hampshire. It's a painting that is called The, the Sower. It's by a painter by the name of Jean Millette. It's a painting from 1850. When you look at this painting, you can see and you hopefully can identify with what the biblical sower looked like. A person that would put a bag or some type of device and they would go out into the field and off in the distance you may see oxen that are plowing and freshly preparing another field. The sower, we all sow. It's been said many times and we have learned as children, hopefully, and as adults that we must be careful with what we say how we use our words, because there's a scripture that also says, as you sow, you will reap. The story is told of a young man who had just started a new job working in a grocery store. This young man worked in the produce department of this store, and a woman came to him, and she approached him and said, I want to buy a half a, letter, half a head of lettuce. As politely as he could, the young man said to the lady, in this store, we don't sell heads of lettuce in half, but we sell whole heads of lettuce. The lady was remarkably persistent to the point of being obnoxious. And so in the end, this young man who was a new employee did what any good new employee would do. He said, let me talk to the manager of the store. See what he says. So he heads off to look for the manager. The manager is working elsewhere in the store, and he finds the manager not realizing that this woman has followed him. He gets to the manager, and he says to the manager in frustration, I got this crazy woman out there who wants to buy half a head of lettuce. And seeing the look of uh, anxiety, on the manager's face, he realizes all of a sudden that the woman is standing right there by him. And he turns to her, and as quick as a whip, he says, and this nice lady wants to buy the other half. <laughs> well, <clears throat> what we say, we must be careful. Well, that wasn't the end of it, because later in the day, the manager wanted to compliment this young man on how quick thinking he was in the course of a conversation. And he said to the young man, he asked him a question. He said, where do you come from? Where's your home? Well, the young man said, I'm from Toronto. I'm from Toronto, Canada. He said, home of beautiful hockey players and ugly women. The manager's face dropped once again and said, well, I want you to know that my wife is from Toronto. And quick as a whip, the same young man turned around and said, and what hockey team did you say she played on? <clears throat> we reap what we sow, and we must be careful of the things that come out of our mouth. 
Because what we say and what we do sow seeds of information, not only about us, but as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, God demands of us those where the soil is good and the seed is taken, a life of holiness, a life of holiness from each one of us because he has given us his only son in Jesus Christ. Jesus expects us to be the sowers of the seed until he returns. As you look through the scripture, you'll find this parable is found in the gospel of Matthew. It's found in Matthew 13, 1 through 23. It's also found in the book of Mark in the fourth chapter. And here today, we have read it in Luke's book in the eighth chapter. It's not found in the book of John because John did not record any of the parables of Jesus Christ. This parable, as I said, is also known as the parable of the soil. So as we go through these next weeks, we may refer to it as various titles. But we find that the enormous crowd had gathered around, and the crowd that was there would be very familiar with what Jesus is saying, with the sowing of the seed. The farmer would reach into the bag, and the seed would go out all over. And naturally, all of it didn't land, as we have read, on the best soil. I admire gardeners. I admire looking at plants. I received a beautiful plant this week. It was delivered at my door, and I was very grateful for it. And I'm sure that sitting in this room, there are advanced gardeners, those of you that have the greens thumb. We have renters here in one of the church properties on the end of Holly Court. And you will notice that through the summer season, and they've already started putting their plants out, the home is beautiful as you look up the street and you see the beautiful plants. I admire gardeners because they do much more than put plants and seeds in the earth and watch them grow. They have to tend that plant. Some of them even, I understand, talk to their plants. There's an art to gardening Regardless, there, are hu there is a huge amount to know, and there's a huge amount of benefits that you experience from gardening. I've been to some of your homes, and a few of you have beautiful gardens that are on your property. A week ago, I spent, believe it or not, three hours at the Missouri Botanical Gardens in St. Louis. That particular location was founded in 1859. The Missouri Botanical Gardens is the nation's oldest botanical garden in continuous operation, and it's a natural historical landmark. The garden is the center for botanical research and science education, as well as it serves as an oasis for the city of St. Louis. The garden offers 79 acres of beautiful flowering displayed plants, including 14 acres of a Japanese garden. Henry Shaw was the original owner of the estate in 1850. Now, I may sound like a gardener, but I'm not. And I walked through there looking at the world's largest collection of various plants 
and especially orchids. For over 161 years, this garden has been an oasis to the city and it's beautiful and has provided family fun and especially enjoyment for those who love to sow, those who love to work in gardens. And as I said, it's a center for education. Now, my gardening is very limited, but it has taught me a few things. I've learned how to pull weeds, which I can get real bored with in a hurry. And I can dig a hole every once in a while for Lil to plant a new flower. And I have, by the way, receded my lawn. And after I receded the whole lawn, I finally figured out that most of my seed was laying on the top of the soil. And a lot of it ended up in the driveway. And for sure, I thought, well, this isn't going to produce much other than helping the local birds feel pretty happy. So as I reseeded, I finally got a rake out and I figured out, hey, it would be best to rake these seeds into the soil. And then after I did that, I stomped on the soil. I don't know if that's good, but I stomped on it so those seeds would be embedded. Living in the city, um, only on rare instances like this, do I ever think about the earth? Do I ever think about seeds? And do I ever think about the growth process of plant life? But now as I prepare, for our next few weeks, I'm motivated to do so. That's not the reason why I went to the botanical garden, but I probably had a greater appreciation because I was already into this word. In Jesus' day, life was rural. Uh, the towns and the cities were small, and most people lived in farming communities. And Jesus, eager to communicate with the people that he came to save, he would often use agricultural stories or parables to get an idea across. He would use the most commonplace and things to express the most profound things. A parable can also be um, defined as a story that illustrates, illustrates um, a message or delivers a message. Parables explain the things that, of God by using the truth of everyday things that we can understand and relate to. The most amazing aspect of Jesus' parables is the exact matching of characteristics that take place in them between the heavenly and the earthly. He gets the message across. Jesus was a master of parables. There is some arguments and disagreements, but it appears that in the scripture there are 36 parables. He used the ordinary to describe the extraordinary. Those who were blind spiritually could not see the answer. Now the setting here, Jesus has been busy. Jesus has been about healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been dealing with some family issues. And we see him again out by the Sea of Galilee. And he is teaching on the shore. And as he's teaching, once again, the crowd begins to grow. People are flocking from all over to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so, as he has before, Jesus gets in a boat. He goes out in the water 
to use water as a natural amplifier for his sermon. Moving from the sanctuary into this building, into this room, has been somewhat interesting. Not only interesting, but it has been somewhat exciting to meet in this beautiful space. Soon we will be back into our sanctuary. Presently, our sanctuary is being retooled with technology for cameras, etc., for the continuation of live streaming. We thank our IT crew for that. One of the things that I enjoy about being in here is the platform or the lack of a platform. It seems like when I speak, I can look at you right in the eyes. When I speak, we are kind of at the same level, and I like that. And here we come into this place, and we've used a lot of creativity. It seems like something seems to get lost when we sit week after week in an auditorium, whatever it may be, and listen to God's word. Sometimes our ears become deaf to it. The setting of this particular situation, I have been there multiple times. I have sat on the side of the water trying to visualize what it'd be like to listen to Jesus in a boat. It'd be exciting that you and I, if we could sit by a lakeside each week or even the Sea of Galilee and hear the message of the day. But after that day, people probably thought of Jesus every time they passed that location of hearing him in a boat. And the setting of our text today lays out for us a very picturesque and instructive situation. If you've ever been out on the water in a boat, and some of you do have places, you have property on the water, especially on a lake, you know that sound carries over the water. You can sit in your cabin or your lake house at night, and it sounds like somebody's right next door, and they can be across the water. In New England, we have a lot of small lakes. We have what we call ponds. And on these ponds, you can hear and speaking in a normal voice, it can be heard for a great distance. When I was a kid, I used to go fishing on Turkey Pond with my dad. And it was a very spooky uh, situation because we used to have to travel through weeds in a rowboat. And going through these weeds, I could visualize monsters jumping out and getting me. But finally, we would get out on the lake and it would be pitch dark. And we could hear people talking like they were sneaking up on us. But in fact, they were across the lake. If you are sitting in a boat, the sound coming from the shore will sound louder than the same sound heard by people that are on the land. Sound seems to be amplified when it travels over calm water. The reason, I am told, is that water cools the air above the surface, which then slows down the sound waves near the surface. This causes a refraction or bending of the sound waves, so the more sound reaches the boat passengers or more sound reaches the shore. Traveling along, bouncing between the surface of the water and the slightly warming air. For those standing on the shore, a person speaking towards them from the water would be easy to hear, and since it would be directed specifically in their direction. 
I said, the setting is quite picturesque, but yet it's educational. It's instructive. Jesus understood and utilized a great deal in the natural world to gain and hold the attention of those that he was trying to reach. I am convinced that he's still doing that today. When you think about COVID, when you think about the situations that we have faced, perhaps Jesus is using those to speak to our hearts. All those that were on the shore, their eyes are focused upon that boat. From the bank of the lake, they're listening to the man that's in front of them. And everyone can hear. And even over the, the coughs, maybe over the shuffles that are taking place, because sound doesn't carry very far on the land. Jesus begins to speak. And he speaks of things his listeners are very familiar with. Someone sowing seed. In fact, if you examine the parables of Jesus Christ, you find that he uses examples from agricultural and animal husbandry about 25% of the time. People identify. Have you ever spoken to somebody or had a conversation with individuals and sometimes you're feeling like this guy's not listening to me? Have you ever had a time where you feel like, hey, this is uh, my words are rolling off this person like water off a duck's back? People aren't concerned with what you're saying. It was just a little over a week ago that I visited my sister. Many of you know about that. I traveled to New England because she has been diagnosed with dementia called Lewy body dementia. It was difficult and it was very frustrating for me to communicate with her because as many times as I told her who I was, she thought maybe I was her son. She thought at times I was a grandfather. I know I'm getting older, but didn't realize I was that advanced my appearance of age. I would correct her and I'd try to get her back on the right path again. And... Uh, what I'm telling many of you in this room is nothing new to you because many of you have unfortunately suffered the same situations. And I thought to myself, because I had been studying and preparing, well, I guess my words to my sister are like seeds scattered on the path that the birds are coming and eating. My words certainly were not seeds scattered on good soil because she just wasn't getting it. And I've learned over the years that such is all too true. And it isn't just true with my sister. There are many people that hear when it's convenient. There are many that have selective hearing. Some of you are married to people like that. I know and I understand that there are those that are without hearing. Those who even use hearing aids. Hearing aids is a big business today. I'm always getting brochures. I don't know why, but hearing aids are, I guess it's part of uh, the age group that I'm in. One man was bragging about his hearing aid. He said, I've got the best that you can buy. I've received all kinds of brochures. I've spent a lot of money. I've got the very best and I love it. He was then asked, what kind is it? He said, oh, it's, it's uh, 10 o'clock. <clears throat> I 
I know that the, the nature of, uh, of um, my sisters uh, not hearing me, it, it is rooted in dementia, and it's not necessarily affecting her hearing, but it's affecting her mind. And still, if you and I are honest with ourselves and with each other, at least for many of us, our greatest hearing problems isn't a physical or mental problem. For many of us, it's that we hear what we want to hear. We want to hear many things that are said to us or around us, but then there are other things that we tune out and we pay no attention. We live in a society, we live in a culture that just does not want to listen or maybe has lost much of the ability to listen. And perhaps it is selective hearing. Perhaps there's too much noise going on around us, distracting us from what others may be saying. And maybe we think that we don't have time to listen. Our text today we find that Jesus says, when you look in the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter, the ninth verse, the text found there, whoever has ears, let them hear. In Luke, the eighth chapter, same scripture. Yet all too often, we just don't want to listen and we don't have the ability to listen to one another at times. And it seems to me that such inability would also stunt our ability or desire to hear when God is speaking to us. The Lord has spoken to us this morning, given us a message, and hopefully in my message, God is speaking to hearts today. When Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear, he is saying, hey, heads up. I want you to listen to this. This is really important that you hear what I have to say that we, you and I, have the ability to hear the voice of God calling us into a relationship with him. Take the time, stop what you are doing, and let those words settle within our heart. When we live with the idea of, now you hear it, now you don't, or as the slogan says, can you hear me now? Our faith becomes the seed that falls in place where it's difficult or impossible to survive. Let's hear God's word. Yet when we open up our ears and we listen to the word of God, we listen to what God has to say to us, that is like the seed that is following on good soil. We hear the word of God when we read the scripture. We hear the word of God when we pray and we praise God. We hear the word of God when we give him our attention and we look to him. We can even hear it through the still small voice and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to our lives. But we have to listen or otherwise we're going to miss it. What is God saying to you? Listen up, hear. Now that you hear it, we don't just use selective hearing, but let's hear all that God has for each one of us. We must listen and then carry out what God is speaking to us about and the concerns that he has. We, you and I, obviously can select what kind of soil our life is. The hard soil can be plowed and rocks can be removed. We know that living in Missouri, 
Some of you have built homes and your yard look like a rock garden. But after some tender love and care, when the rocks were pulled out with proper attention, with any type of soil, there's no reason why growth doesn't take place and it's productive. Some don't see Jesus clearly because you may have pain in your life. You've been hurt and you've been disappointed. Your past has not been good. And so you feel like, hey, if I let Jesus in, it may just open up another hurt or a possibility of a new hurt. Some of us get excited about the things of Scripture, but we lack that perseverance. We're like the idea of Jesus uh, where he says that, you know, you, you put the seed on the path and then um, the other weeds can come up and choke them out. Some of us want Jesus in our lives, but perhaps not have him have control of our life. All in all, I think that we tend to be pretty conservative. Jesus is not. That's the thing that's amazing about Jesus Christ. He is so generous. He's not worried about the waste. He's worried about people not having the opportunity to respond. When you look at the soa, it's going everywhere. Jesus offers his life to everyone, even when we know some people are not likely to accept it. Now, as we have been transformed as Christians from the seed to the sower, we, you and I, have been given the task now to share God's word, to share his word with this world. And we are not told to judge the type of soil. We are not supposed to handpick who gets it. We are just supposed to share it with everyone and with anyone. The sower throws the seed everywhere, as we see in this parable. Throwing out the seed can seem like a waste to you and I in some situations. A lot of us think we think about the success rate of all of this. Hey, this isn't going to work. They're not going to accept this. We think that the person is too far gone. Uh, his or her life has changed so drastically. They, they're too much work. And someone like that will never accept a relationship with God or make changes. Some of us have probably had that said about us at one point in our lives. I was thinking the other day, thinking back to what kind of soil my life was when Jesus got a hold of me and what kind of soil it is today. Think about that in your testimony. It's not only our job to determine, or it's not our job to determine who is worthy. It's our job to offer life that Jesus brings to individuals. Jesus knows there are not lost causes, but they're only lost people. So think of that when it comes to sharing the gospel. Everyone, no matter what type of soil they seem to be or deserve, the opportunity for change in their life. Jesus loves lavishly and unreasonably. He never gives up on anyone, and he'll do whatever he can to save everyone. What a job we have as sowers. I hope that that's your desire, to be an individual that 
shares the gospel to all that you come into contact with. With your life and your words, I'm excited about moving through this parable and looking at the various types of soil. I pray that God will speak to our heart as we analyze these soil samples and the Lord will show us, maybe an individual in your family, maybe somebody around you, but all in all, we're all called to be sowers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. And as we come before you today, it, it is our desire to be individuals that serve you. Help us, God, that we may be individuals that uh, understand that your love is, is great. And as we have heard today, that your love is for each person. And may we be vessels to share that love, not to judge other people, not to judge the soil, but may it be our desire to be individuals that do as you would want us to do. We look at our own lives today and we see how far you have taken us. And for that, we say, thank you, Lord. We pray that our lives may be lives of good soil where the seed is multiplying hundreds of times. And God, that we may be examples of your son, Jesus Christ. For that person today, that their hearts are being penetrated at this moment. I pray that they would say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Come into my life and change me and forgive me. Lord, the soil of my heart is ready for you. I thank you, God, that you have forgiven me of my sins. God, let this be our desire to serve you in all that we do and say, amen.